so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region shadow of that light is gone. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for feet. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ, the assembly gave you Grace to you and peace of God, our Creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, another week and another call story. Last week, we got to hear the call of the disciples as told in John's Gospel, a simple invitation to come and see, and they saw. Today, Matthew's Gospel, a few loudly similar. Instead, though, the invitation isn't to come and see, instead, it is follow me. Follow me is where Jesus starts out his search for followers, for disciples. And in many ways, it is a call to adventure. And calls to adventure are significant. They are a turning point in any narrative. And we know this, right? It's unless Gandalf calls Frodo into action, right? You don't get that whole 40,000-page trilogy that we like so much, right? Unless Hagrid shows up and calls Harry to go to wizarding school, we don't have that whole experience, right? And don't get me started with old Ben Kenobi showing up to get the loop on track. Right? We see this all the time. And these calls are important because in many ways they lay before us, they describe for us the motivation of the person and also the direction in which they are heading in the same as true in the gospel as it is in the galaxy long, long ago, far, far away. See, today's call is one that I've often wondered about. And what I've wondered most about is why. Why were these disciples so willing to just lay their nets down and follow Jesus? And if you think about it, that's all he says to them. He shows up on the scene and says, follow me. And they look at him and go, okay, cool. They leave the nets, they leave their families, and they go. The most common solution that I've read in commentaries, the most obvious one I can think of, is that Jesus had this certain way about him. He was charismatic. And he was so charismatic that even that simple invitation was enough to get them to follow. Because really, those words aren't much of a plan. He didn't lay out a 10-step plan for how he was going to build the kingdom of heaven. No, he had a couple of words, too, to the exact follow me, and they did. 
And I'm glad it worked. I'm glad the disciples decided to do it. But I struggle with it. Because something you see has gotten lost in translation, or perhaps better put, lost in transcription. While Jesus is magnetic, and perhaps even divine personality may have been that which convinced the disciples to follow, reading it on a page doesn't quite have the same impact. I don't know about you, but my call to be a Christian, my call to serve the church, didn't start with Jesus coming and convincing me. In many ways, it started with just this, just some words on a page. And that, you see, that is difficult because it begs the question, then what motivated or what motivates me to go and to follow Jesus today? Which then leads me down a larger road of, what motivated Jesus in the first place? What got Jesus thinking that he needed followers? Because let's be honest, Jesus is God. God is Jesus. And as the divine, Jesus is capable of all things. So why? Why does Jesus need fishermen to help him do his work? Or perhaps even more ridiculous, why does Jesus need this guy? to help do that work? Why does Jesus need you to help do that work? What motivates And I think the beauty in Matthew's gospel is that unlike the other call stories, the other gospels, we get a clear sense of the motivation behind the request. And the motivation is right at the beginning of our text here today. And it is an act of injustice. It's an act of justice that promotes Jesus to go and seek disciples to spread the word, to get the movement moving. And the act of injustice is the wrongful imprisonment of John, John the Baptizer, who is now a political prisoner of the Roman Empire, because the Roman Empire, occupying that region at the time, was worried, worried about this guy's message. Of repentance, repentance for the kingdom of heaven is near. They're worried because they don't want any other kingdoms near because their kingdom is in charge. So what do they do? They take charge and they throw John into jail. And it's that act of injustice that motivates Jesus to speak up and to seek out, to employ the help of others, not just to share this message. Notice. Jesus' message is the exact same one as John's man, but also to seek bodies, to make the message a movement. The call of John, the call of Jesus, the call of the disciples is bigger than any individual. It is a movement, a movement we are told for all people throughout all of creation. A movement against the powers and principalities of this world, against sin and greed and oppression, a movement away from the ways of this world and to the ways of God's impending reign. What's interesting is throughout history, we have seen examples where wrongful imprisonments like John, or perhaps unjust deaths like that of Christ, haven't squelched them. But instead, propel a movement, seeking of justice and response. You see this in our own modern era. Think about a, a few years ago, 
the murder of George Floyd led to the movement Black Lives Matter. We as a people stood up and recognized the divinity inherent in all of creation because God is in all of us and the diversity that we are and is worth celebrating and assuring all know and experience God's love. Or I think about this last week, Monday off school for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, an individual who himself was in prison, an individual who himself was killed for his work for justice in the world. And even when Dr. King was in prison in the Birmingham jail, what did he write about? He wrote about a call, a calling to serve justice in his community impulse to ensure he did that which he was called to do by his faith. Dr. King wrote, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here, just as the prophets of the early 8th century BC left their villages and carried their dust save the Lord far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns. And just as the Apostle Paul left his village in Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to the far reaches of the Greco-Roman world, so am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my hometown. Jesus, like John before him, like Isaiah and the other prophets before them, experienced injustice in his hometown experienced the oppression of the Roman Empire occupying Jerusalem in that moment. And it encouraged them to take action, to speak truth to power, the truth of God's grace, the truth of God's mercy, the truth of God's love, the truth of God's compassion. And all of these things are what we as Christians call the kingdom of heaven. Gets me back to that question I started with. Why? Why did the disciples move so quickly, immediately, according to that? I think the answer is really straightforward. Because they saw the injustices in their hometowns. Because they recognized that this way wasn't God's way. Because they wanted to be part of a movement towards God's reign, towards peace and love and hope in the world. This Jesus movement is not about a kingdom far down the road, way at the end of our lives, where if we're good enough, we'll make the good list. No. No, this movement is about justice now. And I love that today we kept going. We didn't just get the call story, we got what happened next. That last little sentence, last little sentence that Jesus invited them to follow, and then he showed them. He went and healed and he cured all diseases and he preached and he teach. Why? Because that's what the movement called him to do. The spirit moving in him and the disciples following behind him were called to do that work. To proclaim the kingdom of heaven, not as some faraway reality, but at hand, here and near today. And the question comes back to me. What is my motivation? How do I feel called? Or what God me? And I've realized over the years what I'd like to do is I'd like to put 
my motivations into thoughts, right? I, I like to try to put things in order. That's how my brain works. So in other words, my response to follow Jesus, well, I'm going to do it by believing in God. Sometimes that was my explanation. Or maybe, maybe I, I do it in service to others. Or maybe my motivation is, is church membership, right? That I'm called to follow and I'm going to do it by being a part of a community of faithful people. Or maybe it's all of the above. But the true answer is that it's not only all of the above, it's so much more. The great 20th century theologian teacher Bonhoeffer described this as an absolute call to discipleship. And this is how we define it. Only in fully surrendering to Christ's command do we know our greatest joy. Other words, only following Christ's command, right? To follow Christ, do we know the fullness of Christ's love joy that comes with Bonhoeffer experiences firsthand. His impulsion, his response to the movement was to be a part of a movement they called the Confessing Church, speaking out to the injustice of the world being perpetuated by the regimes of this world, in this case the Nazi party at its rise. And what did Dietrich Bonhoeffer do? He stood up. He was compelled to follow Christ. And what happened to him? The same types of things that happened to the disciples in our gospel. He was arrested, sent away, and eventually executed for being a part of this movement. A movement that compelled him to stand up for others as the atrocities were taking place. He had everything to lose, particularly himself, and he did it did it because he was invited to follow. And you really, really, really take serious that invitation. You see, it's that your motive is God. It's God's love for us. In leaving our nets, in leaving our lives behind, we find our true self, we find our true purpose, we find our true motivation in the world, in Christ, in our movement of our bodies. It's about moving on behalf of Christ, about being the hands and the feet, about seeing the injustices in our own communities, in our own world, and standing up and saying the kingdom of heaven is already here, and therefore these things cannot exist side by side. By using our voices and our hands, our, our resources and our bodies to ensure that the realities of that kingdom are a reality not just for some, great ending to Matthew's gospel is the call to go and baptize and make believers of all people, of all nations. But it begins with us. So thanks be to God for that message. Thanks be to God for that call. Amen. Amen. Amen.